welcome to the podcast series uh, Emerging Technologies in Education. And today I have a fantastic guest, Angelique, and uh, it's my pleasure to introduce her to you. So welcome, 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 Angelique. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. Angelique, would you mind please introducing yourself and uh, telling our listeners uh, what your experience, what your background is and how you're related to education and the innovation technology? Oh, okay, wonderful. Thank you. Um, my background, I um, overall, I've, I absolutely love learning. I've loved learning um, since I can remember spelling um, my first really long word in probably as a second grader. Um, and I've always been drawn to education, but not necessarily encouraged to pursue it. Um, at the time, we were encouraged to go into fields like medicine or law. So um, what I ended up doing was majoring in chemistry and, um, and knowing that I could go to graduate school or medical school. So um, I opted for graduate school, and so I have a master's degree in analytical chemistry. But while I was working during my internships, I would always go out to elementary schools and do hands-on science activities. I, I just absolutely loved working with students. So I would um, basically sneak out of the lab and go and do hands-on activities with students. Um, and so when I finished my uh, master's degree, I, I have a master's degree from Georgia Tech, I um, was given the opportunity to work on a, a teacher, teacher enhancement project that was funded at the federal level. And I was responsible for providing and coordinating um, professional development for elementary science teachers. So I absolutely love that work. Um, we got a chance to train about 1,600 teachers in hands-on inquiry-based science. And um, as a result of that work, I learned a lot more about education, a lot more about what teachers were experiencing in terms of their own fears around science and, and then the, that delivery to students. And so I um, applied and was accepted to the graduate program, the PhD program at Emory University. And that's when I really became immersed fully into education, learning all the theory, the concerns, issues, et cetera. And then I went on to complete um, a postdoctoral uh, research study in cultural anthropology because I really, really wanted to understand the sociocultural context that was influencing the way science um, was unfolding inside the classrooms, so or in, actually in schools overall. Um, and so the, then my connection to technology really is about using technology as a tool to facilitate um, in-depth learning and to take some of the um, take some of the load away from teachers so that they can work on creating that classroom space that's more inviting, where students feel like they belong, but allowing technology to, to function as a tool um, to that end. So where you have teaching and learning occurring, but you also have a space where students feel like this is their space, this is where they should be, this is where they want to be, and I know that technology can facilitate that. Fantastic, and I'm so impressed with your background. Thank you very much for sharing that. 
And Angelique, I know that one of your latest ventures is Innovative Learning Center, where you focus on really designing and evaluating uh, the plans and, uh, plans and educational programs uh, related to STEM. And STEM is one of the kind of hot topic now, uh, and many educators obviously interested in, in uh, pursuing that and integrating it in the curriculum. Could you please tell me a little bit more about that? So Innovative Learning Center is, um, when I was first asked about it, um, people would ask me, what is Innovative Learning Center? And I would say, it's a figment of my imagination. Okay. <laughs> so it started with um, me thinking about, what if we were able to create a space where everyone that encountered the space knew that they would, um, and, and our area of focus, and because of my own background is STEM education specifically, but when people, people encounter us, they know, they don't, they may not know immediately, but they soon discover that they, they do have the mathematical um, and scientific genius laying within them. And one of the things I noticed just from my deep knowledge of STEM is that the uh, we focus so much on the cognitive side of learning that we kind of left the affective dimension of learning to chance. And um, so what I decided to do is take my knowledge, my cognitive knowledge of, of, of teaching and learning and couple it intentionally with who I am as an individual, which is a nurturer. And so I said, I thought, if we create a space where people knew that they would learn and could be even smarter, but nurtured it on purpose, nurtured the sense of belonging, nurtured the, um, or, or minimized any fears that came with um, seemingly fail, failing something, um, provided support and, and encouragement um, that we could broaden the engagement of more people into the sciences. Um, and, I'm, and so I do, the center is um, a construction or a, an amalgam of my long years of experience and expertise as an educational researcher, but also a really um, integrated part of who I am as a human being. And um, what I wanted to do was to communicate that as we try to teach people to stay with STEM or, or you know, not give up, that what, what one of the aspects of the work is um, providing that positive verbal persuasion um, we are, and, and providing a positive vicarious experience through others. And so in the STEM education space, we always talk about efficacy and we talk about creating or, or we talk about students who have grit or who have a high sense of self-efficacy. But what we never really talk about is that though that um, psychosocial variable is something that can be developed over time in the right conditions. And so in the STEM space, we focused, so there, there are four aspects of self-efficacy, mastery, um, positive ver verbal persuasion, low um, physiological distress, and um, social persuasion or, or, or engagement of others. 
And in the STEM education space, we focus on mastery experiences. That's why we give students all these hands-on, innovative curricula-based activities, but we don't deal with the other three dimensions of building self-efficacy. So, so Innovative Learning Center is designed to build on the other three areas of self-efficacy. And what I've realized is that if we, we have to start with the people teaching students. So most of our clients are people who make decisions about teaching and learning, um, who receive federal funding to engage students in programs. And so we start there by providing um, a service, which is called research and evaluation. So we provide a service, but we are really clear that what we're doing is building and nurturing the what needs to be in those adults who are working with the kids so that the students are better off as a result of our engagement with their decision makers. I know that was a long way to say that, but I really did create it as an, as I really created Innovative Learning Center to serve as a solution to the low engagement and participation, especially of underrepresented students in STEM. Very, very interesting. I'm sure many of our listeners would be able to, uh, would be interested to go and have a look in more detail about uh, what to do. If we talk about um, STEM and educational technology, uh, what do you think would be kind of the right way to integrate both and to make it really more effective uh, for the learning purpose of the students? Integration of, of technology can be as simple as, um, you know, exposing students to a micro pipette that might have a sensor on it. So, so, so it, it can start with um, seemingly non-technical things, actually, and then um, allowing students to use the more um, current or in vogue technologies to, do, to, do, to engage in self-directed learning, um, and then, which, which basically requires students to do research, right? And then um, we could extend that by allowing students to use the tools uh, available for presentation of findings, and then to be thinking about how to use technology to deliver, uh, how, deliver information that, that they are learning. So how to use technology to show others that they, that they the student, is advancing knowledge based on their um, inquiry, based on their exploration using different kinds of uh, technology platforms. So that's one way. Another way, and um, I think, well, let me talk about a second way, which is a project we're working on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I'm using, um, I'm doing an eye tracking distance learning research study. And, and the reason is because I've always really, as an educational researcher, we give out um, surveys, we interview people, we do direct observations or participant observations as a mechanism to collect data. But we really don't know what students are focusing on. Uh, we really haven't until now or more recently. Be, um, we, but we, what we have now are, is a tool and it's um, a set of eye tracking glasses or or a monitor where we can actually see what students are focusing on. And because of what we can see, because of our ability to see where they're focusing, we can understand where their cognitive load is, where, they're, um, where they may be struggling. So when they are in an online environment, 
we put the eye tracking glasses on them and we can see what they're focusing on. We can see when a, a word problem might um, create cognitive load, which means that the student isn't understanding the problem. And so we have that data now as a part of a study that I've been leading for the past four years. And what I'm planning to do is to work with software engineers and ed as an educator and with other educators to develop a program, an algorithm that as soon as the system detects that a student may be moving his or her attention out of the necessary area of interest or area that they should be focusing, that something will prompt up on the computer screen and gently pull back Anna and say, Anna, we noticed that you may have may not quite understand the material and, and then focus Anna's attention back to the screen and then provide some kind of prompt so that she, Anna or a young man, um, are able to remain engaged in the learning environment. So, so, that's a, and, and so what it does is it will allow teachers to engage in differentiated learning by put, having students work online and being able to monitor, even if they're not standing next to the student, what is happening for the student while they may be in a hands-on learning center with another group of students. So I'm really excited about this. It's about two years away from full development, probably three actually, but um, we have the baseline to, to, to make the case. It's very promising and the most uh, mostly very useful because speaking to educators, uh, it's quite important for them to actually have the tools to monitor how the kids are using the technology in the classroom, but also yeah. at the same time to um, get, somehow get the measurable results uh, on the progress they're making. Yes, ab absolutely. And, and to be able to see in real time where the student is having cognitive dissonance or a cognitive load, overload, or, or, or doing really well by, you know, maybe some assignment may be too easy. So we can use adaptive learning or adaptive technologies to, you know, um, iterate the complexity of a problem um, based on the student's performance. So I, I'm really, really excited about it. And to be honest, it is an, a, a total amalgam of, of my prior experiences and knowledge my interest and passion for technology and, and education. Absolutely, that sounds fabulous. And I really hope that, uh, I know it takes a lot of time to work on projects like that, but I hope that eventually the outcome of this project would be worthwhile and really will help not just the teachers and educators, but also will help the students uh, at the end. Yes, which is the primary focus. Absolutely. but. Um, if we talk about uh, immersive technologies like uh, augmented virtual reality, mixed reality, how do you see the place of those technologies in what you're doing? And what is your opinion about um, if those technologies would be a good supplementary for education? Oh, yes, absolutely. So the, for the augmented virtual space, the eye tracking system is the, the, in what I just described is the very beginning. But um, because we can, um, you know, put on an apparatus, put place an apparatus on a student or a person, and they have a different experience, and because we know that um, some students need a certain kind of uh, contextual space for amplified learning, we can. I'm thinking we could use the technology to create those kinds of experiences so that students are are really immersed in the learning. So, for example, um, if you have a student who really likes 
a certain color or a certain um, visual, needs a certain visual stimuli to, to remain engaged and to solve or, or to stay with a problem until he or she solves it, then we can use the virtual space to create that environment for the student. And what we can do is use the augmented reality space to enhance problem solving skills because we, we understand the visual context that a person desires so that they don't check out. Uh, um, we can provide um, through the augmented space access to necessary um, verbiage or simulations so that the uh, student is totally immersed in you know re really generating a solution to a problem um, and and then what it does by um, by experience is increase their willingness to solve and work on really tough um, so social national international problems so that's and we always talk about enhancing students critical thinking skills but we there is a mechanism and a set of processes and experiences that students need really early on so that they become adults who, you know, really tackle large scale problems or, and enjoy doing it. Absolutely. And I think it's also lack of studies now about those immersive technologies and their uh, input on the kids' learning. And mostly if we're talking about the visual technology, because it can really enhance the learning and, um, as you mentioned, develop those critical skills, problem-solving skills, etc. But again, yeah. integrating more engaging uh, learning environments. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What I'm able to recognize is that the the thinking around creating immersive, engaging environments is, it, it already exists. It's one of the, it's the thinking that allows gamers and developers to build gaming programs that people just become, you know, totally enamored with and, and stay with for hours on end. And I've been just kind of confused of why we've not applied that same process as much so to the educational space for, for learning. I, I've not, not quite understood that. I know it's there some and use, use of gaming strategies to enhance learning and certain kinds of uh, uh, what we call 21st century skills, but it, it doesn't seem to be as much so as just for entertainment or or another form of engagement. I think this is the current challenge because uh, many developers that you mentioned, uh, they are taking this approach, more gamification approach, but at the end of the day, it becomes uh, another screen time for the kids rather mm -hmm. than uh, for those resources to have an educational purpose. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's uh, something that really uh, is needed currently is, uh, and quite a big question, I guess, how to integrate those, um, uh, how to use and integrate uh, those immersive technologies like AR, VR, etc., and make it uh, more than just uh, gamification part and fun part, etc., but to really integrate it in a curriculum that is part of the learning environment and that can really enhance the kids' understanding on the subject, etc., and it, it's more quality screen time with academic relevance. Yes, yes. And that I, I was watching a podcast, I was listening to one of your 
prior podcast where one of the educators talked about that very thing about um, educators being brought on kind of as an end user versus being a part of the genesis and development mm. of, of the technology. And the person was making, I, I, I'm not remembering the gentleman's name, but he was making the case that educators don't need to be the end users of the technologies because by the time they're developed, there are a lot of things that are missing or that could have been put in place had the educators been at the beginning of the developmental phase of that, of whatever technologies even that we put into schools now. I thought that was such a great point. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on this one. And uh, it actually would be great also to hear your opinion on um, what, would you, what would be your suggestion uh, to educators, you know, when uh, it comes for them to use immersive technologies and also based on your professional experience, based on uh, what you're doing with the uh, Innovation Learning Center, what would be your recommendations for educators when they're just, you know, starting to integrate immersive tech uh, and to really benefit the curriculum? My um, recommendation to educators would be to um, first recognize, and, and I think they get this, that, that basically by the time a technology is in your classroom or in their classroom, they are, they, the educator and the student is the end user, consumer. And to recognize that and say, okay, because that's where we are now. But to be very intentional and deliberate about reaching back to the developers and communicating how this technology could better serve them so that they could better start serve students. And not just using it and not work and then going on to something else or waiting for the next thing to roll in. And so I, my, my point is for educators to be and they, they know this, but I'm, I'm not sure if it necessarily plays out, say, when, when people are talking to software engineers or, or you know, or developers, because um, the two communities may speak different languages. And so one may feel like the other won't understand. But I do think it is necessary for um, educators to start helping developers learn and understand what they are experiencing in the classroom in real time with whatever technology that's created so that the developers can have a better product or, 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 um, that will roll out to you know schools across the nation oh and so the educators are seen for the as the experts around teaching and learning that they are um, that that would be my recommendation but i think it, it's going to take um, intentional effort from both sides and especially with um, educators say, we, we have, a we have an intellectual resource that you need to tap into as you are thinking about creating anything for us. Um, and, and developers recognizing that they, pro they likely should have a couple or three uh, educators with a certain skill set on their teams so that we're not just iterating, you know, and creating more, creating a worse situation than we already have just because we didn't do the necessary front end work to create the best product. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that would be my, 
my, that, that would be my recommendation. Thank you so much, Angelique. It's been absolute pleasure having you uh, on the podcast. And I'm sure it will be very interesting uh, for our listeners. And uh, they will go back to the resources and uh, your uh, information about uh, your Innovative Learning Center. And I hope that it will really benefit uh, them overall. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share.